You know, sometimes when you're uh, doing an intro to one of these uh, fake radio shows, a podcast, if you must, uh, you find yourself, uh, oh, hello, by the way, I'm, I'm Andrew. This is the Raised by Webs fake radio show, and I'm talking about how difficult it is to do an intro. And sometimes you, uh, you know, you do like one and you're, you kind of hate it a little. So you do another one and uh, you hate that one maybe even more. And then you get one that you feel all right about and your dog starts barking. And, you know, you don't blame him. He's a dog. What's he going to do? He's, he's doing his job. Anyway, I'm not saying that this is happening to me now, of course. I mean, this is just hypothetical. But uh, I do have a fake radio show and I am trying to do an introduction to the upcoming episode. And I thought I'd start by um, just talking about a thing that may or may not happen to people. Uh, did I mention I'm Andrew, and this is the Raised by Whoops fake radio show? I'm one of two hosts. The other guy is Glenn in Canada. He's great. I may or may not have mentioned that a time or two before. And we're uh, we're recording stories that we tell ourselves and share with you, and we're also recording the stories of the people that we know and like. I know the lady that I talked to in this interview, and I like her quite a bit. Her name is Sarah Bingham, and she lives in Portland, Oregon. And started a really cool and interesting business that I kind of know very little about. Uh, it's a, she makes these um, special effects glazes for pottery. And it's a business I didn't even know could exist or did exist. And uh, it's it's kind of fascinating to me. And she is just a, a very cool person. Who I think you'll, you'll see that very clearly or hear that very clearly. Whatever. Look, it's a radio show that's not on the radio. It's in your computer, right? Okay. Uh, this this show is brought to you by Glenn and myself. It's free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to subscribe. I mean, reviews are nice. We don't have many of those. I could, I could do with some more of those. I think the algorithm would respect that. But yeah, there's no there's no big ask usually. Uh, usually, I would ask you to uh, please go and buy my book. I wrote a book. It's called The Moron at the end of this book, which uh, I wrote it, you know, I wrote it for you and for me and for anyone who likes to read stories about, um, you know, living life. It's a, it's a series of short stories compiled in loose chronological order that uh, I feel like it's funny. I kind of feel like it's funny. People have said it's funny. Some people have said it's kind of sad hopefully in a way that's tolerable. Anyway, it's a book. It's out there in the world and you can buy it. You can go to moronbook.com or uh, go to Amazon, look it up. And uh, yeah, it's on Kindle and I'm recording the audiobook right now, which is a challenge, man. That is a challenge. But uh, so yeah, there's stuff going on. That's, that's, if there's a sponsor of the show, it's that, <laughs> that book that uh, I have now for sale. But I, I'm I'm not here to plug a book. I'm here to talk to Sarah, who I think you'll you'll just fall in love with here shortly. If you got any questions, you can reach out to us rbwpod.com forward slash contact. Send us a note. Um, if you got a guest that you'd like for us to talk to, if there's a story that you've written and that you want told, I want to hear it. Just just send it to us. You can put it in a word document. You could, uh, you know. You could send it in smoke signals in the sky. We've got Instagram. I don't know if we have a Twitter page. That's kind of Glenn's department. He's on Twitter. 
But yeah, you can find out. Go to the website, rbwpod.com, and anything we've got going on is there, right? Contact us. Let us know. I'm rambling. I started this thing off rambling. I'm going to end it rambling. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I got Sarah. She's coming up right now, Sarah Bingham of Ritual Glaze, coming to you from Portland, Oregon, where I started off on our Zoom call talking about the robotic lady voice that tells you that you're recording your session. Here she is now. Not the robot lady, Sarah. Okay, bye. Did you hear that? I did. Okay. That's so much like, uh, I don't know. I should always play that even if I'm not having a Zoom call. That Uh, weird robotic noise that lets us know. That sweet robot lady who's living in our <laughs> pants. I mean, like we've got this thing that just lives in our pants all the time. Yeah, it ro- listens definitely listens to everything that's going on. Yeah, I don't know if you were to tell your grandparents, like, "Hey, uh, are your grandparents still alive?" Actually, you. Might- uh, yeah, all four of my grandparents are still alive. No way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and none of mine are, and uh, I they like a lot of them passed away long enough ago where mm-hmm. like. They never saw any of this shit. Right. Like if I were to tell them like, hey, you're going to have a, a robot, like a little computer brain in your pants. How do you carry places. it with you everywhere that you go? Like everywhere. even to the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, um, it's very bizarre. Yeah. It's real, real weird. And so you and I are right now sitting in front of computers. You're outside somewhere kind of pretty. Is that your house? Are you at home? Yeah. It's my backyard actually. Uh it's the last last time I'm going to be here. I'm I'm moving in two days. So you're moving in two days. Where are you going? I'm moving. I'm actually just moving six blocks down the street from where I currently live <laughs> to a different apartment. So all right, glad very to be. About that. You're happy. Very glad. That. Very glad to be. I'm living in a uh, a not so great apartment right now, which is sort of something I was doing as a sacrifice for ritual. Um, and I'm very grateful to be moving into a slightly larger, can, nicer apartment. I can appreciate that more yeah. than you know. So, okay. Um, uh, we're here together on computers. You're Sarah. I'm Andrew. And I, I kind of know you. You know, it's like we, we yeah. just sort of barely know each other, but I feel like a closeness to you. I don't know why. Mm. I just, I maybe just like you. Like, I think uh, we've uh, been... I think you and Tiffany and I all have some sort of spiritual bond. I feel like we go way back in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like as soon as I guess you and I met, we were both volunteering, like uh, trading time for yoga lessons. Oh, yeah. Yoga yoga one. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as I met you, I was like, oh, that's a cool person. I want to be her friend. (laughs) And and we like we kind of hung out. We went some places and did some stuff. What did we do? Do you remember? I know one guy that you dated. I remember meeting oh, God. one guy. Oh, and then Lord. We went out okay. and he like put me on the handlebars of his bicycle and we rode that around. Sounds fun. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> we had a really good time. Like, because he's a big, tall guy too. So it was like, it looked mm-hmm. like not one, but two emaciated circus bears on a tiny <laughs> bicycle. <big. laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was a good time. That sounds anyway, like some summer fun. It was a good time. It was a good time. Um, I did not drag you here right after work to talk about circus bears or <laughs> yoga volunteers. I want to talk to you about, you've been kind of on a, on a journey, a quest. <laughs> to, to say the least. 
<laughs> coast to coast culminating uh, at this moment with mm. a small business. Yes. That um, it just, you're all I see of you now is like on social media mm-hmm. and uh, Tiffany will every once in a while tell me, I guess you guys text and talk and she's like, oh yeah, Sarah's doing this. Yeah. We keep in touch. Yeah. That's, that's one of the best things about Tiffany. She's really good about that. Yeah, she is. She is. I'm not very good at that. I think I'll give all the credit to her for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely the worst at that. It's so, hard. It's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're extremely selfish. Mm. Pointing at myself here. And very uh, busy. Yeah. Pointing at myself here. Maybe that's what I, that's better. I'll say I'm busy. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So Tiff, Tiff tells me stuff every once in a while, but you, um, I see you online mm-hmm. and I remember you did like a cool Patreon thing and like mm-hmm. you have started a business that is unique, I think, in the world. I don't know anything about it. So yeah, this is a long way. I'm saying all this to tell you that I want to talk to you about one the journey you've been on. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It kind of seems like this personal growth type of endeavor. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. And I want to talk to you about pottery, which is the, yeah, the yeah. premise to your to your business. It is. Yeah. Um, should I give a little intro of, of me yeah. and my business tell yeah well so like let me let's take it from the last time i think i saw you was probably in like uh in santa rosa or petaluma or something yeah and you you went to school you like left i left I yeah i left to go to college um so i am now 33 uh but i left to go to smith college in massachusetts in 2019 when i was <laughs> 29 I think and yeah I was going to get my bachelor's degree so I never went traditionally um I went as an adult and I graduated in May of last year so actually it's been almost exactly a year to the day that I graduated and moved back to Portland Oregon which is where I grew up right but so you you went to college across the country I did it was fair it was an adventure (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I could I've lived in the Northeast before and it's, it is just so remarkably different than here. It's very different. It's very different in a, in a wonderful, beautiful way that I think everyone should experience. Um, Mm -hmm. especially if you're, if you've only lived on one coast or the other, but the people are different. The weather is different. Um, the landscape is very different. It's, it's interesting. I really liked living in new England. Um, I'm glad that I was only there for three years, but, uh, yeah, the winters can be very yeah. tiresome. They're real winters. They're but, very real winters. So what was school like as a grown person? Mm, uh, school was school was a lot of things. Um, I think it was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. I really see the world in a different way now, um, but it was also really hard. And I think, you know, I was working quite a few jobs going to junior. I went to the JC in Santa Rosa. I went to the junior college um, to get my AA degree before I transferred to Smith. And I was working a bunch of jobs and really just trying to make ends meet while being um, like a three quarters student. And it was a lot, but I think so many things that I used to wonder about the world came together in school and everything just really started to make sense for me. And then, um, I moved to Massachusetts to go to Smith, which was my dream school. I worked really, really hard to get into Smith. 
um, and I went to their non-traditional program. So they have a very small program at Smith College um, for women who are over the age of 26, I think, or who have a dependent child and never went to college traditionally where uh, you can get a full scholarship. So I got a full ride to Smith and that was just like, I mean, I think of all the things that have ever happened to me in my life, that was absolutely the most, um, the most it was a game changer, I guess. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to say. But Smith was also a really hard place to be. It's a very um, like PC, hyper PC school. And um, it's an activist school, very, very feminist school. Sorry, I've got a loud dog over here. Um, and I think for that reason, it was also difficult to be an adult in that in that environment because I had sort of already gone through the transition of becoming a woman and, um, you know, I think I had been in therapy for about five years at that point. And, uh, I think there was some part of me that wanted to, to fulfill that dream of going to college that like my younger self wanted to experience, but there was some conflict there with showing up as an adult as well. So it was a lot of things. It was beautiful and wonderful. And I met so many great people and, um, it ultimately was the pivot point for me deciding to go into something that I loved, which is what led to ritual glaze. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you worked real hard before that you were a stenographer, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I was a court, a court, I was a court stenographer, which I always laugh when I, when I say, because it just feels <laughs> it's like so incongruent with who I am as a, a human being. It's hard for me to even yeah. remember that that's what I used to do. But yeah, I worked really hard. I was a um, I was a court reporter, court stenographer for almost 10 years in the Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, that's to me is like, I don't know, an object lesson in how to concentrate. You know, oh my God. I can't even imagine. That job was exhausting. And if you know a court reporter, give them a hug, man. They just don't, they don't get enough credit for how yeah. hard that job is. Yeah. You never, you never, they're not featured. I guess right. if you ever see one like in a movie, they're just making a wry look and, Maybe the typewriter is like smoking. Yeah. They're trying to keep up. Yeah, with just really what it's like. <laughs> it's just a crazy job. Litigation yeah. is crazy. Is a crazy thing. Just to write down anything that other oh people God. are saying. Like I, I read, I read out loud things that other people have written, and that's weird. Mm-hmm. But to suddenly have right. to like type out all the crazy nonsense people are saying. Yeah, and people talk fast. They've I yeah. used to type on the every day three or three hundred and fifty words a minute. I mean, it's oh just really. God exhausting work. Jeez. Okay. Sorry. I know that was a weird. (laughs) I've not had the opportunity to talk about court reporting before. So probably most people don't talk about court reporting. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's the sort of thing you kind of don't want to have to think about, I guess, if you're not like working in the legal profession or. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I don't even really like to think about it. So (laughs) I did it. I don't really think about it again. (laughs) Okay. So Smith, you're out there, you're an adult, you're not angry, you're not in an activist oh, position. Oh, who said I wasn't angry? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not activist level angry or were you, did you feel engaged in the activist? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I th- I did a lot of, um, I think, lightly centered activist studies. Like, um, I think when I was at Smith, that was certainly part of the exploration. And I think that getting in touch with my anger was a really big part of my journey at Smith. And that that's mm-hmm. something that I really use as a woman to harness my power. And um, so it's important, I think, and it's been important to my journey. But I also think that when I got to Smith, I was really hungry for um, everything. And and then I got there and I realized that sort of 
what was more important to me was, was connection. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I had felt like I had spent a lifetime of doing things for other people. And I was, you know, before I went to Smith, I did a lot of volunteer work too. So, um, you know, for the 20 years before I got to Smith, I was also doing pretty heavy volunteer work on in my spare time. And I got there and I just realized that activism wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. And that was sort of what my journey at Smith was really about was finding what that calling was um, and being able to put down the things that people were expecting of me and that I was expecting of myself in order to find what really made me happy. And it's pottery. And it's fucking pottery, (laughs) which I know makes a lot of people happy. Um, I do. I do pottery glazes. So my, I work in glaze chemistry a lot. Um, I don't do much pottery anymore just because I don't have time, time for it, but um, you facilitate other people's now we'll, we'll get there. I promise. I want to talk about, I want to talk about your (laughs) business, but like, and I want to phrase this in a way that um, I hope you like, you know, me well enough to know that like, I'm, I don't know if I'm gentle, but I'm like sensitive toward like, uh, I'm not particularly PC, but I, I do care. I don't want people to hurt. And so yeah. like me asking this question, know that if it's poorly phrased, it's coming sure. from a good place. But like, um, so I've got, I've got four sisters and a mm-hmm. bunch of nieces and a wife and a mom. And I, I love women. I think I celebrate mm-hmm. women. But like the, um, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm missing out on a thing. So like if my nephew came to me mm-hmm. and said, Hey, I want to start a business. And my niece came to me and said, hey, I want to start a different business. I would support them both equally. Like, hey, yeah, both of you guys go start businesses. You know, um, but I know, I know, I don't know what the statistics are about like women owned businesses, but imagine it's got to be lo- fewer women owned businesses than man owned businesses. Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. definitely true. I don't know what the statistics are either. Um, I, I actually, my minor at Smith College was statistics, so I do have okay. a particular fondness for for stats, but I right. don't know. I don't know what that is, but yes, I, I would imagine that right. that women-owned businesses are the minority for sure. Right. So like where, where I come from in, in my thinking is like, I don't know, I, I, I want to care less about what genitalia the person who has the mm. business is sure. walking around with. I want to care more about just like, like I support your business because I like you and I think it's a creative thing. And like the fact that it's, that you're a lady is like, it's like the least interesting thing about. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. I think you're an awesome lady. You're really good at being one, you know, but. Thanks, Andrew. (laughs) You know, yeah, I just also think you're a good person and an interesting person. So like. Thanks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can help me understand like. Yeah, that's a nice question. Where am I missing out? Right. Like what, how can I be a better person or advocate or whatever well I think that there's room for all of those things to show up I think um I totally get the like the human-centered outlook and I think it's important to really see people as a whole person and not the things that feel salient about their identity in terms of like identifying or checking off boxes but those are also things like especially when you get into like race related things or like black owned businesses or or BIPOC owned businesses that um those things do matter because people really have to work from a disadvantage, right? Like the chances of um, minority business getting started and being successful are much lower because there's a lot less opportunity that that people are presented. And and that's one of the things that Smith, I never, there's no way I ever would have done this if it, if I hadn't had the um, the the privilege of of getting a full ride to Smith, 
right? And having all of this money at my fingertips. And so I think it that you can have that human-centered approach while still uplifting and supporting women-owned businesses or Black-owned businesses or whatever that might be um, to sort of hold both of those things in the same hand. Yeah. And I think, I, I'm, I feel like I do, I mean, I definitely come from an extremely privileged position, my own right. I mean, just being like a, a like, like a white dude. Yeah. Just a big dude, yeah. goofy white dude, you know, like, totally. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, I've had, I've had a lot of, um, I guess I've maybe squandered a lot of advantage. I don't know. I'm just like a hmm. normal ass person. It's not like I'm, we probably rich. all do. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a good time. Put it yeah. that way. Really that's what matters. That's what's going to matter in the end. So. Right. But <laughs> I, I do, I do recognize coming from disadvantage. Like, I, you know, mm. I, I grew up in Memphis, which is right. You know, a lot of really disadvantaged uh, groups, you know, mm. living in New Orleans. Like you can mm-hmm. see that just like, mm-hmm. damn, you know, I had friends yeah. who were like, oh, you're going to quit your job. You'll be fine, man. You're white. You'll be fine. Right. You know, right. and they weren't sure. kidding. You know, like the, their experience was extremely different from mine. So I get, I get that aspect of it. So I'm glad you you brought that up and reminded me of like, it's not just about like celebrating who has what genitalia or skin color. It's like, hey, just yeah. supporting, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I think of it, I tend to think of it for myself at least as more of like a leveling the playing field type of perspective. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, I think that I also don't mean to diminish like um, folks who do get into activism or or who enjoy that sort of environment I think it was just hard for me at Smith because Smith was um it it wasn't a great uh environment emotionally to be in like people everybody felt really isolated and there was a lot of I think just the culture of the school itself was very fundamentally um dysregulated and so it was just a tough college to be part of like the academics were incredible but this I think the social part of Smith was a really Really rough. Racket. And the m- middle of your journey was also the pandemic, right? Like midway through. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Which I was actually not uh, super sad about doing most of my school online. Um, yeah. I was at Smith for a year before I think a semester and a half I was in person, and then we went to fully remote. And um, I was living in Amherst at the time. So I had moved from the town that Smith was into a smaller town that was a little more separated uh, to have a little bit more space and sort of live a a fuller life outside of college and was taking a lot of my classes at Amherst College, um, which another great thing about Smith is it's part of a consortium. So you can take classes at Mount Holyoke or Smith College or Amherst College or um, Hampshire College. So it was really wonderful in that regard. And I was um, taking most of my art classes at at Amherst College and thankfully those were all still in person so um or I think we did like one of my drawing classes went online for one semester but then we came back and I started uh, taking painting classes so it was an experience but I was really grateful for it because um it sort of alleviated that pain point for me of feeling uh, discomfort at Smith and not really wanting to be there and being able to just show up for classes online and then Mm -hmm. um, logging off when I when it was time to go yeah I don't hate that either, but Zoom yeah. is still relatively new to me. I had, I just, I work with my hands, so there was no, yeah, there's no Zooming for me, <laughs> but uh, I, I, kinda, I do kind of like it though. I mean, like this, I would much rather be hanging out with you like in person, yeah. but this is great because this is not bad. Yeah. I think it in moderation, it's fine in moderation, yeah. which yeah. I think we were all probably really tired of Zoom at some point or other. <laughs> Zoom fatigue was imagine. a very real thing. I yeah. can imagine. 
So yeah. were you, um, I didn't know, I mean, like I said, you and I don't know each other that well, but I didn't know that you were like artistic. I knew that, that you're creative <laughs> just because hanging out with you is funny, you know, like yeah. You're, yeah. you're funny, which yeah. to me, that takes a lot of creativity. And like, if Aww. you're empathetic people to me have mm -hmm. like huge imaginations, because mm -hmm. like, that's the, that's like the bedrock of your imagination right. is empathy. Right. And mm -hmm. I, you're an empathetic person. So like, I knew you were creative, but I didn't know you as an artist, if that makes sure. sense. Did yeah, I well, I didn't know you. No, no, no. I mean, that's actually something I, I only found pottery again, let's see, in like 2017, I think. And, and I was doing it very sporadically. So it was like taking a lesson here and there and, um, then working at the Sebastopol Center for the Arts here and there. And, um, and then it wasn't really, it really wasn't until I got to Smith where I started pushing back against these um, sort of stories that I had been told my whole life, which was that like, I really felt like art was for the other people in my life. Like I was, I had dated a lot of um, people who were in bands and my brother uh, did a lot of art. And those were always just areas that I told myself um, weren't for me for some reason. And so when I was at Smith, I really started pushing into those edges. I like took guitar lessons and I started painting and I um, did lithography and I took drawing classes and I just was really trying everything that I could try. And I just fell really in love with certain things. What's lithography? Lithography is uh print is like a type oh. of printmaking. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that was a weird class online, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it the one where you like you're doing carvings? What's, yes okay yeah 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 oh that's awesome that's yeah. wow so okay you go through smith did you have a mind for what you were going to do like did you did the ritual start to come together in your mind at smith uh yeah ritual i'm just laughing because the, the the story of ritual is an interesting one and it's um so the name of your company is ritual glaze yes okay which is this it's a very small um ceramic arts manufacturing business that makes uh, special effect glazes for use in pottery and um so they're they're textural glazes so um seth rogan uh, makes his own gloopy glaze that's off, like often a common um gloop glaze is a, a common one but so uh yeah i found I, I found glazes in a funny way and really only decided to go for ritual glaze um, in like my last two semesters at Smith or even my last semester. I think I my the second to last semester I was applying for MFA programs and wound up getting into um, a few MFA programs in ceramics or studio art and decided ultimately sort of at the last second that what I wanted to do was start my own business instead. I think I was burnt out on school at that point. Like I had been in school for five years trying to get my bachelor's degree. And, um, I was really, really tired of being poor, which yeah. I'm still poor. I'm still poor. <laughs> I, I yeah. won't be poor someday. Um, yeah. So I, I decided to start a business and, um, yeah, it's just kind of it taken its course mm -hmm. over the last few years. Did you always know you were going back to Portland? I was playing with the idea when I was applying for colleges. I applied to Reed College, um, which is in Portland, and got waitlisted. Thanks a lot, Reed. And uh, ultimately, Smith was my dream school, and I got in, so I went. Um, nice. And I had, and then when I was when I was at Smith, I reconnected with an aunt um, who lives here. Hi, Rhonda, and um, her and I got close. 
And then she and and Joe, her husband, offered uh, to let me come live with them while I got on my feet after college. So I went and stayed with them for a few months. And I think that offer felt pretty enticing to to have some family to get close to. Um, I don't have much family that I am in contact with anymore um, by choice. So yeah, I think that sort of lured, lured me here, but I was, I had already also sort of set my sights on Portland. Um, you know, California is a tough place to live as you very well know, it's very oh, yeah. expensive and mm-hmm. the fires are really bad. I just didn't really want to go back to the Bay area. It felt like my time yeah. there was done. Yeah. And you, you're, you're on the hero's journey, man. You've, yes, I am. <laughs> gone on the, you know, slain the dragon, slain yeah. the dragon. And then now you're you're back, yeah, at home with new eyes, and yeah. and you've started this little business. Hey, little business sounds patronizing. That you started a small business. Why is that less patronizing? Yeah. That's dumb. I you know don't what know. I mean? She is a little business though. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. little business. Yeah. Like if if you take out the two T's and just call it little little business. Little. She little business. You, you little business. Little, little business. Yeah, no. I mean, I guess it it does seem. I think the well that when you see things on the internet, it's easy to think of it as. Uh, being a bigger, much bigger operation than it really is, but it's, it's quite small. It's really just me. Um, and then I have a studio assistant, Allison and, and a woman, Sarah, who works with me too, but, um, it's, it's pretty small. So where, where is your shop? It's in Southeast Portland, um, off Ankeny and, and 15th. So, um, well, I'm going to be moving probably in a few months. So, Mm -hmm. I will be launching another Kickstarter to raise some money for a second business that I'm working on opening what? right now with 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 a very close friend here, Anna Harris. Nice. So, yeah. Can you talk uh, about that yet, or is that still? Yeah, under... no, I can. I can talk yeah. about it. No, it's okay. We're opening um we're opening a, a professional pottery studio. So basically, it's a cool. it's a pottery studio for production based potters. So, um, local community studios usually cater to like beginners, and this is a space that you can basically come in and make tons and tons of pottery and use the kilns and uh, do all of that stuff so our our business is called fancy banana and that's no um, way come on <laughs> it's coming great. in september of this year so we're working cool. pretty hard on it right now behind that's the scenes great. Yeah. yeah well you've got a knack for it i quite like your um like your whole ad deck your pitch your your aesthetic is cool with ritual thank I like you the way you've, thanks you've made that i've fun. worked really hard on that thank you that's like feels like a pretty direct representation of me like yeah it's, yeah no it's way cool I, so i lived in portland uh 20 some odd 20 plus years ago and i was by myself in a little shop um in the in northeast it was an organic food home delivery service that uh i'd moved out from Brooklyn from the East coast to start. And we bought it. Like we bought a a business that was kind of not doing so hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like in that shop all the time by myself. And we ended up hiring one guy <laughs> yeah. to help me deliver. Okay. It was just so bananas. Like I, every time, like I see you in that shop and I, it, I almost just like picture it being in the same yeah. building that I was in. Cause it's got that right. old school, just industrial looking kind of, you know, like yeah. light industrial little business. Absolutely. I mean, rituals right now in a space. Um, I'm, I love the space that I'm in right now and I'm, I'm going to be very sad to leave it, but I'm, I'm in a little tiny, like, I don't even know how many square feet it is, like 300 square feet. Maybe it's really small. Um, and I just work the hell out of that space. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm in that building with a handful of other makers. So 
uh, Stacy of, of Midnight Jewelry is in there and um, there's some bike guys in there, uh, Bob of Bantam Bicycles and Tony of Frame Builder Supply. And so it's a really nice community. Um, also Rebecca of, um, uh, she used to be Queen Bee. That's not her business name anymore, but it's an, it's a really nice community. Everybody's, you know, in there and doing their own thing, but we all love each other and it's, it's good. It's a nice little tiny Portland vibe. Yeah. I like that model when there's a bunch of creative mm -hmm. people all in one spot trying to just figure it out, you know, you can yeah, commiserate. Totally. You can. Yeah. 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 Poor Tony. Poor Tony is a, Tony has had a more than his, his fair share of uh, complaining and, and watching me just really yeah. flounder, you know, like uh, trying to figure out how to run a business. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you're, you're, there's the administrative, you know, once you actually start selling stuff oh my God, and before know. you start selling stuff, that's its own whole job. And then never mind yeah. the actually making stuff. Oh my God. It's so many jobs in one. <laughs> so, so maybe tell, tell everybody what, like what this glaze is, how you figured it out, like oh, I mean, glaze man. chemistry, like the, the yeah. for, one, for one. So you shape, a, I, mean, I remember high school pottery. I, I made um, an ashtray. It was horrible. Didn't smoke, you know, didn't had just, those just cool. the things that you could make. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I never got the urge to make anything like a, a bong or a pipe, but uh, you know, you, you shape the thing and you yeah. let it dry and then you right. bake it and right. then you paint it and then you bake yes. that. That's correct. Still nothing's Pottery. changed since high school. It's, no, the it's same. still the same. Yeah. It's okay. been the same. It's been the same for 5,000 years. It's probably yeah. not going to be changing anytime soon. And I always really liked the way the paint would melt on. That was like mm -hmm. my favorite part when it would like. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I kind of wanted to keep just the baked thing because I thought it looked cool. Mm -hmm. But like uh, when you bake the paint, it was, you never knew exactly what was going to happen. Yes. Yeah. That's glazes in a nutshell for you. Yeah. And your glazes are strange because they are like we have one of your cups and a, a cool oh, little yeah. um we got a couple of things but the cup like it's tiffany's cup she uses it <laughs> but it's nice every once in a while i get you know like when i make yeah, her coffee i always like i'm sort of like a tactile person and i really mm -hmm. like the feel of that yeah. cup it's like wow yeah it's got a delicate yeah. handle but it like yeah. really kind of grabbing the body of it's really nice you know that's nice. Um, yeah, those are those mugs went out as part of the, a Kickstarter incentive that when I was raising money to launch the business in December, um, I basically I worked with a lot of makers who did the bisque wear. So the those folks threw the mugs and then I glazed them and sent them out, which was such a wonderful way to get that project done. Mm -hmm. So tell like talk to me about glaze chemistry. What why glaze chem? Why are you doing what you do? Why do I do what I do? <laughs> I mean, specifically because like, I'm a crazy person. That's why. <laughs> but I mean, you, I get the sense that like you used some somewhere and realized they weren't commercially available. You had to like make yeah. your own. Yes. Like, well, that's a, you saw an, a thing that yeah. wasn't there. So you decided to be that right. thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a long, <clears throat> it's sort of a long story. I can condense it down. Um, but basically, <laughs> I'm on okay, your buck, schedule. So. Buckle up, folks. Um, I was, when I was at Smith, I was writing, oh, it's, it's such a long story. I will try to, to abbreviate it. I was riding my bike, um, far, like, I don't remember how far it was. I think it was 20 miles round trip to get to a pottery studio. Um, I didn't have a car. I commuted by bike and I was riding my bike really, really far. And as part of the bike, um, part of the bike path, there was this old, uh, ceramic supply company, 
uh, just off the bike path. And I, I, I wound up one day just asking for a job, um, cause I needed work. And so I started, um, making clay and glazes at that, um, place. And the owner of that place took me under his wing and was teaching me how to make glazes and, um, and clay. So I was using these huge industrial pug mills and learning how to read glaze recipes and what are all these ingredients and what do they do? And, and it was so interesting. I couldn't get enough of it. And, um, it was one of those, you know, it was one of those things where I would, I would work all day and then I would come home covered in dirt and I was exhausted, but it was the first time in my life I really understood what being tired in a good way meant. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just couldn't wait to take a shower and wake up the next day and do it again. And I was so happy and it just, it really felt like, you know, people talk about how they meet somebody and, and they just know, like, that's how it felt mm-hmm. making, making those glazes and that clay. It was yeah. like, I just knew that this was what I was supposed to be doing. And, and the, the crazy thing is that, um, it's not really a job that you can just go out in the world and get right. Like there's, there's only a handful of companies and you're making minimum wage probably. And, uh, so I decided, fuck it, I'm doing this thing. And, um, I was in the middle of applying to grad schools because I, I was lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had, I, I majored in psychology and minored in statistics when I was at Smith and I did a lot of data science when I was there. And those things were all really interesting for me intellectually. But um, when it was time to apply for PhD programs, uh, I had a, one of my friends and, and also a professor at Smith, I was talking to him about uh, what my essay was going to be about. And, and it, it was a lot about being a first-gen student and nobody in my family had, had any type of um, college degree or, or especially advanced level or master's degree or PhD. And um, he basically kind of laid it on pretty straightforward and said, you know, nobody's going to let you into a PhD program just because nobody else in your family has ever done it. You got to really want this thing. It's going to be a fight for seven years to get it. And I really took a step back at that point and thought about what, what it was I wanted and started applying for, um, I applied for the Fulbright at one point and I was, uh, in conversation with one of the women at Smith who coaches young women. And, um, she just really, she, she really kind of said the same thing to me, which is like, you're clearly an ambitious person, but what do you want? And I just couldn't answer the question. I didn't know. And I just, I started going for really long walks every night for an hour where I'd leave my phone at home and I would just think about what did I want? And I was doing a lot of imagining and a lot of crying and a lot of mourning and a lot of, um, sort of like dreaming up the biggest, most grand eloquent fantasies that I could about like what my future could look like. And I realized that it can be anything that I want it to be. I just have to make that decision. And so I decided to start a glaze company and, um, that was, that has been quite a journey ever since I, uh, I, I have never owned a business. Um, no one in my family, my aunt has had small businesses, but no one that I've been connected to has ever owned a business. So it's really been a journey for me of figuring out how to do this from scratch. Um, and, I uh, had some really, really helpful mentors, um, Dana at Spooltown, who's uh, a sewing manufacturing company in Portland, really helped me a lot. And um, I've had some great business advisors. And yeah, I wrote a business plan, figured out what that was, wrote one. And then I started applying for grants. And I really poured everything I had into applying for grants. I uh, I just decided if I'm going to do this, I'm going to fucking do it. And I'm going to 
do it fearlessly. And if I get rejected, then it's not supposed to be, and I will move on to the next thing. And, um, <laughs> I, did, I also did a lot of growth work around that. Um, and I sit in a women's circle every week. And so there was a lot of uh, moving through some discomfort around that. Uh, it was very scary for me. And, um, ultimately I wound up winning, uh, a national competition for women entrepreneurs called the Draper competition. Um, I, I tied for second in that competition and won $20,000. And that was, oh my gosh, awesome. that was, it was just a, an absolute experience too. It was like the things that I had to do to win that money. I mean, I know that sounds so cliche, right? The whole experience was worth it. Who knows if I would have said that if I didn't win 20 yeah, grand, but you know, but, yeah. Stupid thing. Yeah. but it was so great, right? Like I, I really learned what entrepreneurship was, which was, mm-hmm. I didn't know what the word entrepreneur meant when I started that journey. Right. I mean, I had never really heard of that and I didn't know, um, beyond what owning a small business entailed. So yeah, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, um, the ceramic supply industry and, and that was, that was also sort of my personal pottery um, came into play around that, which was that I was really bad at glazing. <laughs> I think lots of people are really bad at glazing because glazing is really hard. And I always had these glazes that I'd apply way too thick and they'd crawl and it was frustrating and I ruined the piece. And and then I decided um, to start making my own glazes. And um, Derek Ah launched this really incredible website called glazy.org. Uh, which is like an open source website for glazes. And so I started um, making special effect glazes from scratch. And I mean, I just was hooked. It was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And it was like uh, special effect glazes takes like the, the, the main glaze flaws and accentuates them and exacerbates them and makes yeah. them the focal cool. point of the, of the glaze. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so it felt like um, here's this really beautiful thing uh, where we get to dismantle perfectionism, which was a huge part of my artistic practice at Smith. Um, mm-hmm. It was absolutely the driver of my my painting career at Smith was dismantling perfectionism. I tell this story that I, I had the most amazing professor, uh, Robert Sweeney at Amherst College. And he <laughs> he used to, I would get really worked up over the, the paintings. They didn't look good and I wanted them to look better. And he'd say, destroy it. And he would make me, you know, pour turpentine on the paint on the on the canvas and mm-hmm. and fuck the thing up on purpose. And it felt so bad for so long. And then I started doing it in ceramics and I just realized like how transformative it was to stray from that um that picturesque look or that that ideal perfect look and how satisfying and, and healing that was. So um that just felt like my niche, you know, it was like you can't buy this stuff and you have to go into a master's program, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars to learn it. And it felt like, um, ritual became a thing where I could disseminate both knowledge and product of something that you traditionally had to go seek higher education in order to figure out yourself. So, um, it felt like dismantling gatekeeping stuff, which felt good. And, um, I've always felt passionate about as a first-gen student and a non-traditional student. And it's cool. It's beautiful. There's, there's, um, I think part of applying to MFA programs, I learned a lot about uh, contemporary ceramics and there's so many artists doing such cool work with glazes like this. And I stumbled on Lauren Mabry's work, who uh, is just the absolute glaze queen 
of the industry. She's amazing. And it was like the first time I ever saw pottery that really woke me up inside. And um, yeah, I, I just realized like I can find something like this for myself and and use it to speak to other people. So um, yeah, it's been a long journey. I didn't know much about glazes beyond reading a glaze recipe and understanding what the ingredients were. So I wound up um, getting some funding from Smith and I took the ceramics materials workshop uh, with Matt Katz. So he's like, <laughs> if Lauren Mabry is the glaze queen, he's definitely the glaze king. So he, um, yeah, just really great, really great workshops. So I learned a ton from him and really understood like how glazes work on a deeper level. And then I just bought a kiln and I started testing and, and started using the glazes I was making in college and pushing the boundaries of those and just making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of test tiles until I was finding things that I liked. And then I was pushing into those recipes. And um, eventually I came up with the two glazes, three, two or three glazes that I launched with, which were um, melt gloop and uh, crawl, crawl glaze and bee glaze. And um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't feel ready to launch the business, but I had a beautiful business advisor who was like, you're never going to be ready. Just do the thing now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, like what I'm hearing from you is that you are doing your own master's program. This is I think so, like, yeah. starting a small business is like such the education. Mm. Yeah, It is a tremendous, like you're, you're just doing it on your own dime. Mm. You're not going <laughs> to student loan debt. You're just going yeah. to the normal ass person debt <laughs> yeah. and, and you're doing the thing you <laughs> want to be doing anyway. So you're, you're enrolled in your own master's program as far as I'm concerned. It's, and it's like yeah. a double master's in like product, you know, creation and philosophy. Like the philosophy mm -hmm. you were just talking about is like, I, I empathize with, cause I just, perfection is unavailable to me mm -hmm. as a pursuit, mm -hmm. <laughs> never mm -hmm. mind as mm -hmm. a goal. Sure. But like the idea of um, the flaw is the beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. The fact that it dies is what makes it precious. You know, like the, know. it's all that type of thing that philosophically I jive with, with, with what you're yeah. doing. Is, um, I think that part is, is really wonderful. Sorry to cut you off there. No, um, that's good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another part about the glazes that I really like is the uh, glazes use pigments. So they're very right? They're colorful glazes. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, ceramic supply companies have traditionally poo-pooed or, or not been into using for whatever reason. And so um, I think the glaze community was just feeling really starved for like actual color. And um, it just seemed so crazy to me that we had all these really amazing resources at our disposal, but none of the big companies are interested in doing anything new or innovating or, you know. And, and what is your sales channel? It can't all just be social media. <laughs> Is it? It is. Yes. Amazing. I mean, I launched in January, so it's, right. I've been, I've been operating for less than six months. Um, but yeah, I built, I built my base around uh, on Instagram basically. And, you know, I have an email list and those folks, uh, big shout out to you. If you are listening and you're on my email list, thank you. Um, those folks are great and very supportive, but for the most part, it's Instagram. Um, I hate social media personally. I think it's, scourge of the earth but it's necessary to have a small business unfortunately especially one that's based yeah. in visual arts yeah yeah and i mean boy I, I was joking with you and i commented on a video it was like the oh video yes was all, that's right it was all shot in slow motion so i made a joke about like <laughs> you're like it's finally coming i was like well guy you move awfully slow it's amazing 
I was, just, I was like riffing on the thing and your your people were like, hey, be nice. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. my. It that, was kind of sweet, you know, that people were like looking out for you and they're like, hey, don't yes. yeah. mess with her. That was yeah. nice. That was like a both. Yeah. Oh, this is a, a human who I love, but thank you. That feels really good to have no, you like, looking I, out for me. <laughs> it was like funny to me. It was like, oh God, I, yeah. I'm just joking. Jokes are so dumb. Why did I even make a dumb joke? You know? It was a funny joke too, though. <laughs> it's not that way. <laughs> but, you know, like, but the whole like I just the thing that I took for, away from it was like you like artist communities are interesting in this way mm. I've, I, I worked at an art festival in um mm-hmm. in uh Bombay Beach uh okay. like Southern California and that community is incredibly tight-knit they mm-hmm. really look out for one another they borrow mm-hmm. stuff they support mm-hmm. each other any way they can they mm-hmm. go to each other's events and I imagine if somebody made some goofy even if it yeah. looked snarky comment on their thing that somebody else would jump on them you know so yeah. i appreciated that and that you have yeah that. it's nice and to have some some folks looking out for sure <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like that you're um i don't know i just like your whole philosophy thing are are you is there any way to like go to are there conferences for this sort of thing or trade show type of stuff there is there's um Ensika, which is the yearly um like pottery uh conference i guess if you want to call it that i've never been to Ensika. um i am extremely introverted um i do really well with folks one-on-one and um i'm also highly sensitive i'm a highly sensitive person so i have a very <laughs> easily stimulated central nervous system so um being around uh lots of people crowds of people is not something that's easy for me so i didn't go to Ensika this year um i'll probably consider it next year I might send somebody to Ensika for me next year. Let's send somebody. Let's find somebody. Because yeah. like, the way I look at it, like you're you're doing this thing where um, there are there's someone out there who wants to learn mm. what you're doing. You know. Yes. And um, I don't know. I feel like there's somebody out there who would want to help you, and that is extroverted. And <laughs> yeah, you and know. you know those people have found me. They have they've they have definitely. Um, yeah. came knocking and cool. and are a part of ritual and and that's also something that you know if you're in the portland area and you're interested in glazes that you're welcome to reach out to me one-on-one and i um would be happy to teach you how to read a glaze recipe or yeah. show you how things work or just have you come visit the studio too i think that's important yeah i i like that you have a little like mad scientist test kitchen thing happening <laughs> yeah i definitely well. do like, yeah you, you put up these pictures of of the different glazes like what are those things you're baking them on like you just put your like what is that what are those things? oh they're um that it's a they're test tiles which um is made from a mold that was made using popsicles so it's okay, yeah they look like food um yeah. my good friend ian childers who uh is so wonderful has sent me now three <laughs> three of these plaster molds because i just uh, that's another thing i get really overwhelmed by plaster like no, I don't want to deal with it. So yeah, that's why they look like that. They're literally a popsicle mold. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, I like that. I don't know. I don't even understand. I don't, you know, like I said, since high school, I've not um, done any pottery, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I can, I can get, I appreciate what you're doing, even though I don't know really anything about totally. it, but I can, totally. you know, when I see them pop up, I'm like, especially having held one in my hand like that. And and mm-hmm. regularly having those things in my hands, like, like I said, I'm tactile. I, I kind of I'm a touching, yeah. sniffing kind of person. I'm always like touching, right. Shit. Right. and like, 
I, I see those and I kind of want to like rub my thumb across mm, it every time. Totally. I, see it. <laughs> I have this little area at, at Ritual that's um, I call the textile graveyard. And mm. I originally just started putting textiles there because I didn't know what to do with them. And I didn't, I like needed them for reference points as I was moving through the testing process. And and it's funny, anytime anyone comes to ritual, it's like everybody gravitates to this mm-hmm. like pile of test tiles. And, and I'm like, you can touch anything you want. It's like people just want to put their face in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, I'm fun. like picturing your booth coming together when you send your intern to go to the uh, the conference, yeah. the trade show. Like you've just yeah. got like a wall of texture that people can come by and rub. Oh, that's such a great idea. Like, I come love to the texture that. wall and like you have soothing sounds and like this oh, funny wow. little thing and as your person's telling them about how awesome ritual is. That's, that's very beautiful. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. I love that idea. <laughs> and when she's done with it, I'll store it at my house and yes. that'll be my good luck charm it'll, when I walk by it'll in the only, Oh, that's nice. You can uh, touch it every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, is how can people find it? What's the best way? If, like if you're a potter if, or if you're yeah. in the studio, what do you do? Uh, well, I would say you can check out the glazes at ritualglaze.com. Um, I've got all the glazes up there. I think I still have some for sale from the last drop. I, I'm doing drops about once a month. Um, again, I'm just one person, so I'm trying to meet the demand as quickly as I can, but uh, the glazes are selling out pretty quickly. So That's there's great. some left. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful. It feels like a, a real blessing. Um, there's some on the website. You can just take a look at them if you're interested, and you can also get a feel for, um, the business at on the Instagram. So it's at ritual glaze and, uh, yeah, there's like some videos of me moving in really slow motion, as you know, on Instagram (laughs) and, um, not a ton of me on the Instagram, which I sort of tried to keep it that way, but lots of glazes. So check it out. Well, um, yeah. Is there, is there somewhere where like, if someone wanted to buy, is anybody doing production with your stuff? Oh Lord. I'm sure they are. Um, I would say go on the Ritual Glaze Instagram and look at the photos that I'm tagged in. And mm-hmm. then you can sort of see folks who are making art. And I would assume you can you can check things out that way. But I don't know anyone uh, who's doing like a large scale production. Yeah. Um, I, just, I would point. love for everybody that I know, you know, who drinks coffee out of a cup to just get one of these, you know. Oh, find, well, you know, you, you know, can. You can also, um, Felt and Fat is a company that does uh, housewares and they do dishes and they do make, they make their own glazes. I think um, they're the ones who worked with Seth Rogen to make his gloopy glazes. And so you can, um, you can order a mug from them that has a glaze similar to mine. It's not my glaze, but. um, Yeah. Forget them. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really sweet of you to to plug somebody else. I want people to buy your stuff and. uh, Yeah. Well, you're doing great though. You're, you're going to make Andrew. it. I'm, Thank I'm you. I'm a big I hope fan. So. Um, Thanks. All right. Thanks well, for having um, me. Yeah, no, this was really super cool and special for me to be able to to chat with you. And yeah. You're actually yeah. the first person who's asked to talk about ritual. So I feel it's a, it's a very special You're probably special just too meeting. busy. You're, you're, that's why you have to put it in slow motion because you're moving too fast. <laughs> I can't catch up with you. So you film it all in slow motion. Uh, that does feel true. All right, Sarah. We'll sign off from Zoom here. Okay, bye-bye.
texture like sun Lays me down with my mind She runs throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown with golden brown Every time just like the last On her ship tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown With golden brown Golden brown Fine attemptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a frown with golden brown Hey friends, did you like that episode? I sure did. If you're enjoying this program, you can support it by giving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you have the opportunity to do so. You can also send us a note at rbwpod.com forward slash contact. We'd love to hear from you with any questions, concerns, requests, story ideas, recipes, bogus fortunes, or apolitical rants. As always, if you got a story to share, we want to hear it. So wishing you and yours the very best of everything and less than average amounts of bullshit. Until next time, loving you. Loving you.